Now, here are your hosts, Hank Davis and Alex Cruz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Star Wars Force Awakens review takeover of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast. I'm Hank. And I'm Alex. And we're your hosts. Well, Alex, we have decided to include the Star Wars, the Force Awakens review inside our Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan podcast, which may be a little curious to some people, but a lot of our audience has asked for this and a good deal of participation with feedback. So it is something that we'll, you know, see how it goes and then we'll probably do in the future. But um, I just kind of wanted to, everybody's seen the movie at this point that is listening to this. So I kind of just wanted to go through, you know, maybe the first act where they introduce us to the characters, then the second act, and then the third act, the resolution. And just, you know, kind of have an open discussion. Nothing nothing penciled in like we do for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or anything like that. Right. One One thing we probably need to make clear to everybody, too, this will be spoiler filled. So if you have not seen the movie yet, why the hell not? So we're going, it's going to be spoiler filled. Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the movie yet. So you have been warned. Thank you. That is excellent. Cause I know I would have gotten that, uh, uh, that one message that says no. <laughs> and then I would have responded with good. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. Let the heat flow through you. <laughs> Anywho, uh, the first act, the introduction of the characters, I loved the trepidation of the lone stormtrooper that is like, what are we doing? Loved that realization of that character not being on board for what's happening and just being mortified like you should be. Yeah, we're introduced to seem like the first... 10 minutes of the film, we are introduced to a lot of new characters. And so, of course, uh, we have uh, Lor Santeca, who, you know, we're not quite so sure of, you know, his origin as of yet, but he seems to be a new older character and seems to be quite privy of uh, ways of the Jedi of the force. Not so much. He's not force sensitive, but he knows quite a bit about it. And so he's given this information to Poe Dameron and Poe is, is a new character. And I think uh, after I watched uh, force awakens for the first time, Poe was probably one of my favorite characters. Not so much that I'd want to take anything away from Tinky Winky or Lala, but Poe was definitely <laughs> one of my favorites. I've seen what you did there. <laughs> not, not bad. And, and of course, uh, my favorite character going into this was, of course, Kylo Ren. And I think one thing that I loved about it is we have these first order stormtroopers, you know, attacking this little camp and they're, you know, they're at, they know somehow that there's this uh, secret map to, uh, to where Luke Skywalker currently is. And so we are introduced to also, uh, also BB-8, which in fact, to me, stole the show, but Kylo Ren at first we, um, Poe takes a shot at him and something we've never seen in a Star Wars film before. The the laser bolt just freezes. That was 
outstanding. I that was, I I love that part, and that that was really cool. And when we're introduced to Kylo Ren, one of my main questions was why does he resonate with the unredeemed Anakin Skywalker more than he does with the redeemed Anakin Skywalker? Any thoughts on that? To me, it made sense because I don't think he has ever been, you know, really revealed the truth because Snoke has him so convinced that, you know, his parents are evil. The resistance is evil, according to his point of view, that, you know what, you have to be a part of the dark side to know what the true side of the force is. Another thing about the... uh Kylo Ren situation that I found to be interesting was that he had contact and interaction with Leia, with Han Solo, with Luke, and it was almost like, and I hate to get political, but it, I'm just making a parallel. It was almost like one of those middle uh, middle class American kids that runs away and joins a uh, what we would deem a terrorist organization or something because he wants to stick it to the man. And that's- yeah, and it, it's kind of like that too. That's that's a really good analogy. From what we know, um, he joined part uh, part of Luke Skywalker's uh, New Jedi Order, and then something happens that it has yet to be revealed. In which you know what he kind of. You know, plays up to his uh, up to his grandfather again. Another interesting thing I know you said it already is the struggle that Kylo Ren has, and it's almost like it's almost the exact opposite of uh, Anakin Skywalker. Anakin Skywalker, you know, he's always trying to do good, but there's these dark spots that kind of leak out every now and then, and he wants to keep that concealed. Where Kylo Ren's exact opposite, he wants to do the bad thing, but he still sees uh, some light things to, 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 to do good and he'd rather do bad. And that's uh that's a conflict we're going to see with this character uh, throughout, I think until, you know, we have that, uh, the, the climax of that uh, plot with, uh, with his, with his dear old dad, Han Solo. I absolutely loved the costume until he took that helmet off and i was like oh your hair is perfect under there that's just typical Uh, i I don't know why that bothered me so much but i was like his hair just seemed like it was perfect under this sweaty helmet and i was like yeah and it kind of took the mystery away too of of who he is underneath the helmet and of course You know what? We he wants to take after his grandfather, but you know what? His grandfather had to wear that armor. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and you know he and he he wants to he wants to be Darth Vader so bad that uh, I don't know. It's uh, mm. he he wants to take after Darth Vader, but I don't know. I yeah. think a lot. I think a lot of us want him to take after the good side so uh kylo ren super super emo that's all i can say (laughs) i was like oh man it's darth hipster oh man um our introduction to ray i loved that character immediately immediately up on the screen because i felt sorry for the character at first and that was a yeah, good way Yeah, you kind of get that us. sense of her being alone. Yeah, and it was a good way to to break down your walls when you, you know, because I was kind of going in going, oh my gosh, you know, 
I had some preconceived notions on how they were going to do it. And I don't know about you, but I knew she was going to be the star of the movies. I, I knew that because they were forcing Finn down our throats on the posters and on the trailers and stuff, making it swerve like, oh, he's going to be the Jedi and he's going to be the main uh, character and stuff. And I knew I knew from day one that she would be the main character. I knew it before I even seen it. And th- there were a lot of swerves there, too, because some of the trailers we saw, we saw uh, we saw Finn with uh, w- with the lightsaber and we thought, well, maybe he somehow is ties into the Skywalker legacy. And then as we know, we watched the movie it's like, oh, not so much. There's some, something about Ray. Now, I don't know if you you noticed this. So we're, we're, we're on Jakku and there is a lot of eye candy when we're introduced to her. If you, if you look around, you can see like we see this down Star Destroyer. That was that was cool. We yes. see a bunch of like tie down tie fighters and a X wing fighter here and there, and I don't know. I I got a lot out of it, and then we even see her, you know, with this. Uh, it looked like Luke Skywalker's uh, X wing helmet on. Helmet on. That was I pretty cool it. too. And when when we first see her, though, she has these goggles on. Now I don't know if you guys can uh, pay particular attention to this, but those are indeed stormtrooper helmet. Uh, lenses that she's wearing. Oh, cool! And cool. so you know, she she made them into you know, so she could use them in you know, in 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 the environment in which she lives. And you know, again, we get this sense of her being alone her entire childhood, and even up to now, she's really alone. And there's this one scene that I thought was epic. We see her cleaning uh, some of these scraps that that she got from the Star Destroyer, and she just happens to glance over this incredibly old woman and you can almost read her mind at that point. You can see, Hey, I don't want to end up like her. Yes. And I thought that was such a powerful scene right there. And then, uh, all of a sudden, you know, later she, she'll, she'll meet Finn and her life is not going to be the same after that. (laughs) She's, she's not going to be alone ever again. Did you like how, uh, Finn and Pope, Right. That wanted to escape. You know, he's like making it seem like he's here to help him. But Poe's like, eh, you need a pilot, don't you? Uh, that was I thought that was great. It was like an instant buddy buddy situation because they needed each other. I mean, Poe wouldn't be rescued without Finn and Finn couldn't get off of there without Poe. And I really liked how they forced that relationship, you know, real quick. A lot of people were saying, oh, it's too uh, they were too good of buddies for such a short time together. But I'm like, a situation like that would really drive you together, I think. I like that dynamic, too. That I thought the two actors work really well together. It, it's revealed that Finn was taken at a very young age, and he probably didn't even know his family all that well. And you think he would have been conditioned to handle this because, heck, he's a stormtrooper. Yeah, I, I, I loved all the introduction of the characters. But let's move to the introduction, the reintroduction of the old familiar faces. Did you like how that was handled on each account? Do you mean handled? <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> You're on fire. I love it. Not bad. Uh, I thought it was really cool because, uh, well... I think the first original character that we come in contact with, even though technically it's not a character, is the Millennium Falcon. 
uh, Ray and Finn take control of the Falcon, or we should say Ray takes control of the Falcon and Finn is shooting. And my my only beef with this scene is why was Finn on the bottom gun? I think you think he would have been on the top one. He would have got better shooting out of that. But anyway, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. And so Ray refers to the Millennium Falcon as, oh, this, we'll have to fly this junk and come to find out it's the legendary Millennium Falcon. <laughs> and also, too, it shows how Ray is quite, you know, handy and an excellent pilot. Kind of uh, reminded me of uh, somebody else. So they leave Jakku and all of a sudden they're in, an, in a tractor, someone's tractor beam. And so all of this time, Han Solo has had has been running like like a freighter he and chewie have been running freighter so this is this is the first time you know our our first real contact with old characters was han and chewie and oh my goodness it's like 30 years hasn't happened it felt like yesterday yeah felt felt like i was back in 1983 right at the end of uh, you know return of the jedi i was so, like you know what get the carbonite because i want to freeze this moment right here <laughs> <laughs> i really did I love that. And then did you like when, you know, I'm going out of order, of course, but did you like when they uh, bring us around to Leia? Leia at first, the first time I saw it, I, I loved the dynamic between Han and Leia, but it makes you question what the heck happened for Han and Chewie to take off like that. Yeah. So yeah. Something happened with, and it, it had to do with Ben Solo, that's Kylo Ren's birth name, boys and girls. And in, in fact, I was really surprised they called him Ben. Uh, for those of you that you, everyone knows, the, you know, the extended universe before they erased it, Luke has a son named Ben. And Han and Leia, well, Han and Leia have, uh, they have a, a set of twins and then uh, another son. How did you feel about uh, the, the uh, C-3PO and R2-D2 being in this episode, C-3PO having the red arm, were you at all curious? Like, were you like, hey, let's follow that storyline for a minute? Or or is it something that you're like, oh, that's just to sell new toys? Uh, my, my biggest beef with the movie, I didn't have hardly any beef with the movie. This was it, C-3PO. C-3PO's armor looked like a cheap, uh, cheap plastic. <laughs> And uh, I, I was really disappointed with 3PO. Um, now, his arm, is his red arm is going to be explained in, uh, in Marvel Comics. Um, there's a C-3PO one-shot. I believe it's coming out in January. So go ahead, stick around for that. And the only thing that I know, there was some droid that he may have befriended that had some ultimate sacrifice. That's what the synopsis of this comic reads so far. However, if you listen, C-3PO does say something in the background about wanting to have his original arm being put back on. Oh, cool. So, yeah. And again, J.J. Abrams had indicated that uh, 3PO's uh, armor that Anthony Daniels was in was all 3D printed. Wow. And it kind of looks like it. To me, it looks like a cheap. Well, not a cheap, but a, it looks like a Halloween costume because uh, how many of us were expecting the shiny armor? 
We were or hoping. The, 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 the shiny droid that we're, you know, we're, we're used to, this shiny golden droid. To me, it looked like a bunch of dull, cheap plastics. And that's, this is the mainly the only gripe of the movie I have is this right here. Yep. However, uh, R2, R2 kind of has an interesting role because, you know what, Luke kind of gave R2 a command, I want you to be in sleep mode until it's time to, you know, come get me type thing. And then, of course, at the at the very end or near the tail end of the movie, um, we get these pieces of the map are finally put together and we know Luke's location. See, here's one of the beefs I had with the movie is I thought they made too big a deal about it being Luke's location. Like he like where's Waldo? And it should have just shifted it slightly because Luke is looking for Jedi temples, right? The first Jedi temple. and, and Right. He's and looking for the first Jedi temple. And I'm not sure what he's kind of hoping to find there, if there's some kind of uh, revelation to him. So if they would have just slanted it just slightly and just said that, I would have really resonated with that better than... This is an Easter egg hunt for for Luke. I think they should have just said, you know, Luke is at the first Jedi temple. He found it, and we need to find that Jedi temple because there's some specific piece of information or item we need from there. And and that was one of the things where it just seemed a little silly that this is a map trying to find him instead of this is a map trying to find some major piece to a puzzle. I thought. I don't know. I thought it was interesting because, you know, Luke didn't want to be found. And then you have to wonder about that as well. So, I mean, we're not going to get those answers for a while now, but, right. uh, you know, it, it just was a little bit interesting. Uh, I did watch this today, and something I didn't see out of the first two viewings that I saw was th there's the scene where Kylo Ren is interrogating uh, Ray at the Star Killer, a.k.a. Death Star version 3. Um, and he, he kind of looks into her mind and sees, yeah, you're looking for Luke Skywalker. And then he describes exactly where Luke Skywalker is. He's about being on a, about her envisioning herself being on an island. And that's exactly where Luke is. He's on this, he's on this island. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty cool foreshadowing there. And then, uh, Ray turn, <laughs> turns and messes with him on during his own interrogation and gets inside his <laughs> mind, and he does not like that whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I heard it's a cramped area. Oh, my goodness. Um, let's uh, just hit a couple more points before we get to feedback and such. But um, did you feel that this was a movie that differentiated itself enough from let's say episode four to stand on its own as it. Well, as I know kind of where you're heading towards this. Cause you and I had this conversation a couple of days ago. Um, <laughs> I think the main complaint I heard out of people and, you know, my father-in-law and my daughter were, were two of the biggest critics of this movie is that it paralleled episode four. But if you look into it, I can see where people say that, and I was one of those people as well when I first saw it. But, folks, you have to view this movie more than once in order to get the essence of this film. I felt like it was just a safe 
you know, is a great film. Don't get me wrong. Please don't anybody confuse what I'm saying. Um, I just felt like it was a safe attempt that somebody told JJ, hey, buddy, you're going to have to get on base here. And you know how you're going to get on base? You're going to give people a reimagining of what they loved, which was A New Hope. And so many things have that same echo to them. I just don't think you can ignore it at all. I think you have to acknowledge that. Yeah, that's pretty similar <laughs> to a certain Yeah, extent. because you know what? We start out on a desert planet, you <laughs> yes. know, Tatooine, Jakku. I yeah. see that. Yeah. Um, the very opening scene, you know, we see a ginormous Star Destroyer-like um, vessel. Yes. Um, and then we see, you know, a, a droid with important information. <laughs> trying to get to, trying to, you know, get the information to Princess Leia. I mean, yeah, yeah yep, it's, or uh, excuse me, General Organa. We have a little bit of a reluctant hero. Yeah, we got a reluctant, <laughs> yeah, we got a reluctant hero. We Check. have an ace pilot. We, um, so, yeah, there's, there's similarities. However, the purpose of this movie was kind of to introduce us to what's going on, who we're fighting. We got to introduce these characters. And by the end of the first time that I watched this, I fell in love with these characters. Me too. Me and, too. you know, I, like I said, BB eight, you know, he stole a show. Um, <laughs> I love Poe Dameron. I love, I love Finn. I, I, and Ray. Yeah. There's obvious uh, links to, uh, Who's Ray? Who Ray's true parentage is? A lot of people were speculating. Oh, it's she's Han and Leia's uh, daughter. That doesn't make any sense to me. We'll, we'll talk about that a little later. All right, the, I, I I know who she is. Overall, the driving force of the movie and some of the main set pieces later on, you know, when they're destroying planets and and we're getting a glimpse at some of the brutality of the uh, Supreme Leader Snoke, and and uh, we get Kylo Ren trying to move past his little bit of glimmer and, and pull towards the light side. You know, when it's all said and done, where were you at on this movie, you know, rating-wise, and how did you feel when you left? Well, the first time I, I left, I felt pretty good, but I felt, you know, there was something missing. Um, the movie was better than any of the prequels. That's not hard to do. And that's not hard to do. Um, the best of the prequels, in my opinion, is Revenge of the Sith, but they yes. dropped the ball on that movie, too. And I know we, you and I talked about this already, so I'm, I won't really get into that, uh, about how they dropped the ball on that. I felt better about this than that, but there was something missing. And, you know, all the conversations I had with everybody following that. And like I said, my, my father-in-law and my daughter were probably two of the most critical. And my father-in-law stated, no, this is too much. They, this is too much. The first star Wars movie. I, and he didn't quite like it. And then my daughter who, when, you know, my, my wife and daughter, we, we went and, um, when, when I took them, that was my second showing, uh, second time I saw it, my daughter hated it and she openly wept oh, because wow. her, one of her favorite characters, you know, was, you know, well, uh, was killed. I, I talked her into dead a 
well, I didn't talk her into it. She really wanted to, after, after about a week or so of me talking with her about it, she, she saw it with me again today. And she said, dad, you were absolutely right. I loved it the second time around. So she's, she, she doesn't hate it anymore. Now, now she likes it. That's good. Oh. And that's that. That's what I, I guess. If you're a true fan of Star Wars, and if you didn't like it the first time out, watch it a second time. Watch it a third time. It's there's so much detail in this film that I picked out that is just unbelievable. And I I don't know. It's um, the reason why it seems familiar because it was kind of our maybe a was kind of a comfort zone because now where we're heading, we're going to be heading into some uncharted territory. Yeah, we're going to have to see if we if the story resonates with us in this second film back or, you know, how many chances do they take in this next right. film? We'll find out, I guess. Overall the finish, did you did you like the finish and then what was your score? Uh I'm going to give it a 9.5. Wow, okay. So it wasn't perfect, but it was pretty darn close and if they wouldn't have screwed up C3PO's uh goldenrod armor then i would have given it a perfect end <laughs> and did you like the finish how how they how they uh you know the final battles and how they left us hanging at the end so yeah they kind of left us on a cliffhanger and as soon as it was over i was like come on this is where they're going to end it i want more so they definitely they they definitely got me at the end and uh so i'm i kind of like where this is heading and I th- holy cow, that Star Killer, that was phenomenal. And I did have some questions about the Star Killer itself, whether it was self, you know, self-propelled like the Death Star was. <laughs> yeah. But having the ability to uh, seep all the energy out of a sun, and then it destroyed uh, the current homeworld of uh, the New Republic, which wasn't cor- uh, Coruscant. You know, and they kind so- of. Uh- glossed over that i'm sorry to say but they almost glossed over it like yep blew it up on with the movie you know well i i think (laughs) one thing now if you're a true fan of star wars like i am you want to know everything about and all the background so i think the main thing that i wanted to know well what happened in those 30 years and there's uh there's some excellent books out there that you can read that uh, came out the very same day that uh, 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 Star Wars Force Awakens premiered. And uh, one of them is uh, Star Wars, The Force Awakens, The Visual Dictionary. Um, it doesn't give much spoilers in that, but it does give a lot of excellent background information about all these characters. Um, Star Wars Before the Awakening, which is written by one of my favorite comic book writers, Greg Rucka. And um, we... Um, we have uh, you know, stories about our, I guess we could call them our, our big three, which is uh, Finn, Ray, and Poe Dameron. And the story that I read was uh, Poe Dameron's story because this is uh, his story that leads right up to the beginning of the movie. And uh, it's really epic, and I'm not going to spoil the, that book because, I, like I said, I encourage everyone to, to read that. And then there's just... just a lot of other things, of course, there's the art of Force Awakens. Of course, I had to get all that stuff and then reveal some more, you know, background information as well. Um, uh, let's see. 
So yeah, there's a lot of a lot of these books will give you the background information that you know was really wasn't revealed in the movie. So like I said, I encourage if you want to find out kind of all of that stuff, read those books. Excellent. Uh, I'm going to give this movie a nine out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I did have uh, that epiphany during the movie and really all the way through the movie. And then after the movie where I was like, wow, this is uh, Star Wars 4.5. I kind of felt a little bit. But once you get past that and you just appreciate it for what it is, it was a really fun ride with highly enjoyable characters. I immediately gravitated towards every single character they presented and that never happens for me at a movie i never you know buy into the hero or the anti-hero or whoever they prop up in the in these movies and i i usually am annoyed by somebody or whatever but i thought everybody did a fantastic job on the on their acting and just their interactions with each other i don't know how they got that chemistry so fast but it it just really worked for me so nine for me 9.5 for alex let's get into a few plot holes if you don't mind okay um the one i talked to you about over uh lunch the other day did you happen to notice it in your third watching the the storm trooper that is clearly behind cover that just drops like a stone because he's apparently shot somehow Okay, I was looking for that and I didn't see it at all. Oh no! Okay, all right. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to figure out how to timestamp that <laughs> so we can have it. But the, me and the guy next to me just broke out into laughter because it was just true stormtrooper form. Stormtrooper just appears to be concealed totally behind cover, and he just drops from being shot somehow. It was great. The lightsaber that Luke lost on Bespin showing up. You know, and I, I thought it would have been cool if the hand wasn't that great. <laughs> it's like this hand clutching this lightsaber. I would have been like, there you go. But at first to me, it was a little bit mysterious that it showed up. Yeah, I felt like I was missing something because it seemed to me it fell and fell and fell and fell. But, you know, I'm sure they'll explain how they. Get I kind of thought Bespin was a gas giant. <laughs> and so if that was the case and it fell and fell and fell, then its gravity would have crushed it. I don't know. There was no way that they could retrieve it. <laughs> However, now it's revealed that, you know, it didn't fall and fall and fall, but it was found aboard on the the, the, the Bespin station. The SS Minnow. <laughs> so yeah the cloud city if you will was found somewhere on clouds or on cloud city not bestman but cloud city was it was found and so uh i know there's a story behind that i remember the extended universe had a story on that as well at one time but i did not read that because if it usually if it happens in the movies then that that's real but if it happens in the cut in the book then or in the extended then they kind of have some merit but not totally uh, the First Order preparing to fire at the planet where the Resistance was at. And I was like, okay, show me some evacuation procedures. But nope, Leia and them just sit there and they're just looking up at the sky, hoping that they, they see this Star Killer base get blown up. And <laughs> that, you know, evidently is taking place light years away, by the way. 
And I was yeah, that was an, that's an interesting concept too. <laughs> I was like, well, no evacuation plan. You're not even going to get her off as the leader. I don't know. I thought that was odd. And so then, if, if it was almost, you know, again, we're you know we compare it to a New Hope, and it's kind of when the you know Death Star is in view of the you know the the moon of Yavin there, or the Rebel base was. It kind of <laughs> paralleled that. Yes. And they they were likewise. They weren't moving either. No. Nope, there's just our hope rests on your success or failure. Finn and Ray wielding the lightsaber pretty darn well with zero training, to the best of my knowledge. Um, okay, I got an explanation for that. And then Ray flying the Millennium Falcon and basically besting Kylo Ren at mind tricks and taking him and, down and a notch Daniel, later or daniel craig too yeah 007 stormtrooper getting led around like a little two-year-old i don't know but to me when i was watching i felt like ray was overpowered simply just too overpowered to be okay. a newbie you know maybe they'll reveal something later that's gonna help make sense now, of that uh, J- james and i kind of had a little conversation about this because i was I, I was like that said how how could she best someone who's been trained for years and then he kind of explained it to me i'm like oh okay now that, that makes sense okay. remember remember that uh, kylo ren at this point is unfocused he's been had had what looks like a, a mortal wound and he's bleeding everywhere and so he's unfocused he's unfocused and uh ray she had to defend herself on jakku all those years true so and she was pretty good with that staff that she had so i think that kind of had something to do with this as well and um and uh with uh with finn you know what this this was his stormtrooper training because I'm sure he was trained with that, what, what, um, whatever that uh, stormtrooper. Yeah, the police baton looking baton thing. or whatever it was. <laughs> I'm sure he was trained in, in in melee weapons like that. So I'm sure you know what he he knew how to use this. <laughs> All that training and still can't shoot straight. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding, stormtrooper fans. Just kidding. If any of you are on Facebook, I saw this really cool meme, and it had like uh, some previous thing <laughs> that both Adam Driver and the the actor that plays that plays Finn uh, was it John Boyega? Yeah. Um, so there's looks like there's a, a a note being passed between the two, and you you see Adam Driver's face, and then you see you see the note. And the note says traitor. And then you see John Boyega like looking at it and then looking up. <laughs> I thought that was that that was epic. That's pretty good. So Oh, that's pretty good. I I love the callback in the in the movie when Kylo Ren knows precisely which stormtrooper was not doing his job. <laughs> he was like, Oh yeah. Yep. I know. I was like, wow, that's some pretty good mental uh memory there and then um when kylo ren is wounded by chewy who has already made his presence known by screaming and then taking a shot he was able to stop that laser shot early in the movie and then you think it's because he was not focused is why he wasn't focused that's yeah because i thought you know he stopped that bolt from from hitting him that (laughs) post shot but you know what he just killed his dad and and you know what he 
He's not sure if he did the right thing or not. And that will affect he you. He thought at the time it was the right thing. <laughs> and so, you know what? He was distracted and Chewie nailed him. And my last uh, plot hole, uh, I worked construction for a number of years as a young man. And why does every major fight in Star Wars take place on some scaffolding? You know, no safety rails, nothing. Just here, fight up here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, why do uh, tornadoes hit trailer parts? <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! I just, I just <laughs> think it's funny sometimes. I was like, "Hey, dude, do not walk out on that scaffolding because I have a bad feeling about this." Oh my yeah, goodness. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like stay off that bridge. Well, can we get to some feedback here? All right, let's get to it. All right, we have an email here from our good friend Troy Heinrichs from the Blacklist Exposed podcast. Troy says, okay, first, I seen it three times. He wants me to have a little passion when I read this, by the way. First time, 2D experience. I was like, who? Yeah? What? Whoa. Oh, my. Exhausted. Second time, IMAX 3D. I was all like, space rocks in 3D. Damn, that's a big death planet. This movie doesn't really need 3D. Oh man, the true 15 slash 70 scene was amazeballs. <laughs> the audio just didn't seem right compared to the other theater. Going to have to go again. Third time was in 2D in AMC Prime Dolby Cinema with reserve seating Reclining chairs in the row I wanted at the height I wanted and centered. Did I mention the prime part? Yeah, you can feel the force flowing through you. Super amaze balls. Uh, I was like, 2D is way better for this film. Gives it that late 70s feel. I know what is going to happen, so why am I so nervous? Holy frack, these seats are crazy. I just felt Kylo Ren force grab me from across the room. Double frack. That back and forth scene with Ray. And Ren, I don't need a massage later because these seats are outstanding. Okay, I can finally mourn Solo now. Get back in there, Tear. OMG, it's Luke. It's really Luke. Okay, for real though. Sure, this movie was about some data that had to be given to a droid who happened to find someone who hated their job on a desert planet who needed to go on a quest to find themselves. Along the way, she meets a dude and a walking carpet. They team up with some cool pilots and kick-ass ships, getting chased by a giant round laser blaster that has a trench you can fly in all to blow it up and save the day. In the end, is The Force Awakens a reskinning of A New Hope? Sure, but in 1977, we kicked off something amazing with the same concept. Why not let Kathleen Kennedy kick off her reign in the same fashion? Plot holes aside, this was a damn fun, exciting, entertaining flick. And the two leads, OMG, who are Luke and Leia? The world loves Ray and Finn. Maybe people would love Poe, too, if he teamed up with Chewbacca's cousin. <laughs> he has been out of work since the Christmas special. Oh, that's great. Oh, who remembers that? I do. I remember the Christmas special. Oh, I, I just watched it with my class right before Christmas break. And this is from Troy. Troy from the Packers Fan Podcast, Blacklist Exposed. And, and if, I, th I think Troy others. was, you know, we were posting back and forth on, on Facebook and he was uh, 
So evidently the, the IMAX theater over in Chicago was pretty phenomenal. And I know here in Flint, Michigan, we have one, but he told me that the definition is is different. And so our closest to, uh, I think, that had the definition that Troy experienced was there was one in Grand Rapids, which is... Uh, near my hometown of Muskegon, just two hours to the west of me, and then Dearborn, which would be, you know, about an hour, hour and a half south of me. So yeah. we we might have to do that. Yeah, Dearborn's about 15 minutes from where I'm at. So that might have to happen. That'd be fun. And I've all three of my viewings have been in standard. So I haven't done any, you know, 3D or anything like that. I didn't feel like I missed anything. I prefer, if I'm going to review a movie, I prefer to watch it in 2D. Yeah. Because it's just too much to try to take in. And Well, I think I 3D. think 3D anyway, and this is my opinion, the, the only reason why we have 3D, because the definition is just slightly better on 3D than it would be on uh, standard 2D. Yeah. Well, let's get to some voicemail, and we've got several of them. Let's start out with our good friend, Wayne. From the VoiceOver Journey podcast and the Packers Fan Podcast. Hey guys, happy new year. Wayne Henderson with you from the Packers Fan Podcast. Calling in some thoughts on Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I've only seen it one time so far, but please don't accuse me of being a lightweight. I'm going to be seeing it at least one or two more times at the big screen any day now. One thing at a time. (laughs) Gotta get through all the holidays and all that stuff. (laughs) What can I say? I love Star Wars, The Force Awakens. Man, I have not been that giddy during a film and after a film for decades, probably going back to Return of the Jedi or maybe even The Empire Strikes Back. I mean, fantastic stuff. First off, I want to start with a big thank you to J.J. Abrams. J.J. gets it. The Star Wars magic is back, and I could not be happier for this whole movie franchise going forward. Also, it was great to see the use of practical effects used whenever possible in the movie, as opposed to all of the CGI stuff that was all over the map in episodes one, two, and three. Let's talk about that for a second. I do like that it looked like they really did take some care and build some real sets on some, you know, locations that made sense to film some of these things. Oh, that was really, yeah, I liked how they did that too. However, uh, Snoke, to me, I I don't know. I I thought he looked all right, but it reminded me of Gollum for some. And and it's not because Andy Serkis played both characters. It had nothing to do with that. I thought you were making a joke. I thought you were making a joke. No, 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 no. It had nothing. And yeah, I know Andy Serkis played, you know, both characters in in the movies. But yeah, something looked a little Gollum-ish to me on on that part but i think that's why i i like the movie was because yes there was cgi and yes we occasionally saw the dreaded abrams flares oh, but gosh. it was it, it it was subtle in this film the only time we saw the flares was when when the star killer was was uh, shooting its uh uh uh, is light speed lasers. So. What, is, what is it with J.J. Abrams and Michael Bay with lens flares? I don't know. Is That's, that storytelling? Or, or <laughs> I know. We, we had all kinds of lens flares for the Star Trek films. Oh, That's boy. Sure. Yeah, let's not get people started on that. All right, back to Wayne. It really showed, and it was really great to see. Also, the acting was really good in 
The Force Awakens, which is something you also couldn't say about episodes one, two, and three. But <laughs> I digress. Back to the current film. The Force Awakens. Great story. And I am all in for the upcoming movies. I cannot wait. It's going to be great to see them in the big screen theaters each and every time. And let's get geeky for a minute. Okay, guys. The space battles and the lightsaber battles. They were so good. So well done. Not over the top. Like in some of those uh, certain uh, early, early Star Wars 1, 2, and 3 episodes. Oh, man, those lightsaber battles and the space battles. So fun to watch. And what's wrong with having a little bit of fun, right? And Loved how J.J. Abrams put a couple of our lost actors in The Force Awakens. We had X-Wing pilot Snap Wexley. He was played by Greg Grunberg, the guy who actually piloted Oceanic Flight 815 when it crashed into the mystical island, only to be killed by the smoke monster shortly thereafter. Rest in peace. Spoiler much. Kidding. Rest, rest in pieces. Kid, kidding. Uh, Greg Grunberg is a friend of a friend. How does he get on... I I actually do want them to put me in touch with him because I, I only have it's going to be a one question interview. How do you do a movie like Big Ass Spiders on sci fi and then you just fall into all these cool roles on everything that's important on in media? I, just, I think I, and you know what? It's all who you know. It really is. It really is. I mean, um, and love him. See, I, I know him as, you know, as that character from Heroes. See, there you go. Another show. I and, mean, <laughs> and that, yeah, I mean, that first season was epic. And Alias. He, had, he was he on Alias. part to do with that. Yeah, he's been on Alias, Lost, Heroes. I mean, he's falling into some premier roles. I just want to ask him, ow. All right. Sorry. And Resistance Admiral Statura, I think is how it's pronounced, played by Ken Leung, who played Miles Strom. On the later seasons of Lost. I loved that character of Miles Strom. And it's extra cool to see him in Star Wars since he had that epic discussion with Hurley about Hurley trying to rewrite Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back. Remember the whole line about raising his furry fist? Good stuff. Good stuff. You know what? I had forgotten about that until I listened to this voicemail and I was like, I remember that episode as if it were yesterday, man, that is hilarious. Oh my gosh. It's kind of meta on every level. <laughs> you wanted your darn rewrite, Hurley? Here you go. <laughs> here, here you go. Oh, that's a, that's ex exciting. All right. I'll let Wayne wrap it up. I'm going to let you get back to your podcast. I can't wait to hear what everybody else is saying about Star Wars, The Force Awakens. I can't wait to see it again. Good, good stuff. The Force magic is back. <laughs> Wayne, we love hearing from you. And if there's any human being on the face of the earth that can tie Lost into any piece of media, it is Wayne Henderson. <laughs> he will find a way to tie Lost into everything. And this time, he really didn't have to reach for it. It was just interwoven perfectly. Now, had they done a little bit of time travel, then... I would have been saying, hey, whoa, JJ. <laughs> oh, that's great. You know, I kind of uh, teetered and tottered on which way we should go, which voicemail we should go to next. And I figured, why not feel the power of the dark side? James from Melbourne, take it away. Hey, Hank and Alex and everyone else listening to the TPE fan podcast of The Force Awakens, I suppose. Well, I'm not going to waste any time. 
Thanks for putting it on, guys. So here we go. Um, so first up, we meet Poe Demerang or Demerol or Dumbledore or whatever. Uh, we can call him the new mannequin Skywalker, though, after his performance. Uh, still, though, if they're looking for a new Pinocchio in a remake or something, we got it covered. Uh, yes, living in a destroyed ATAT is cool. It's not so cool when it starts to feel that Abrams uh, is nodding to the original trilogy so much he gave himself brain damage. The Millennium Falcon flies again, worth the 30-year wait. Uh, if they destroy the Falcon, I'm going to be really upset. Uh, so much comedy. Too much comedy. Uh, I'm not worried about this turning serious at any stage. I'm sure everything is going to work out just fine. So Poe and Finn seem a little desperate to make friends. Um, if they had have had more of a, an adventure on the way out, the relationship would be more believable. You know, like Kanye West's love for himself. <laughs> All right. Let's stop him for a second. Alex, too much comedy? No, I don't. It, it wasn't as bad as, you know, episode one had too much comedy. Episode two, a little bit. Not so much in episode three. Uh, this it, it had some had some subtleties, and I think it was I think it was the right combination. I thought it was really well balanced. I really didn't see what James, you know, was a- able to see there because I think a lot of the best movies do that balance of it's a little bit funny, but it's serious. You know, Avengers mm-hmm. and and a lot of the Marvel movies they have that comedy uh, comedic tone a little bit, but they don't take it too far. Um, so I, I have to disagree with James, but I, I get what he's saying. And then he brought up the relationship between Poe and Finn being a little bit, um, uh, maybe a little bit too much too fast. And a lot of people have been saying that, but I don't, I don't agree with that either. Well, I think a lot of people though have been saying that with a lot of the relationships because all of a sudden, oh, Han and Leia are back together after, you know, being gone for so long. And if anybody wants to know how I think how long this was when Luke escaped or ran away, I guess we could call it, and Han take and Chewie taken off, being separated from Leia, I think this happened within the last 10 years. Okay. Because it, like I said earlier, it all had to do with, you know, Ben Solo. Ben Solo doesn't look to be, you know, all that old himself. So I'm thinking, like I said, I'm thinking this happened, all of this action happened within the last uh, 10 years of, of the story. Okay. All right. Let's uh, go back to James. Captain Phasma wins the award for most underutilized character in the movie. That and Grandpa Akbar. You could tell that he wanted to say magnitude, right? When, uh, when Akbar, uh, was on the screen when when I was I the only one that just wanted him to say his saying? Was I the only one pleading in his seat for him to say it's a trap? No, I think all of us were clamoring. <laughs> I were clamoring for it. See, that's the nod I wanted. If he would have, if J.J. Abrams would have made that happen, that would I would have given it a ten. <laughs> I was just sitting in my seat going, "Please say it, please, please." And I th- I think. I think with Captain Phasma there, though, this is a character that, you know, they've been kind of, when they advertise, a very cool visual-looking character. But, you know, her scream time? (laughs) Not a whole lot. Two minutes, seven seconds. Right. How is she going to explain it to the other First Order people that she was the one that lowered the shields? Whoops. There's that, if you want to hold that against her. So... 
I, and I'm kind of thinking that a lot of her good stuff is on the cutting room floor. So when that uh, Blu-ray and DVD comes out in about three short months and it's looking like April, um, hopefully they'll have a lot of uh, of uh, deleted scenes we'll see. That's right on my nephew's birthday, too. So he can get me that for his birthday. All right. <laughs> Back to the dark side. I bet he hints at a ploy or subterfuge in the next film. Does Abrams know the difference between a hint and a sledgehammer, perhaps? Uh, let's play the Skywalker theme every time Ray does something interesting. I don't mind that they killed Han. Chewie got shot and I got real distressed. I don't think I could stand a universe without the Wookiee. A universe without Skywalker, though, is just fine, though. Go on, go to your island somewhere and have a sulk. A sulk that would put a 16-year-old to shame. Oh, and another thing... R2 would never sit idly by while the universe went to hell in a handbasket. That, and he wasn't tormenting 3PO for about 30 years. Why isn't 3PO shiny? And Mars is the new Jar Jar Binks. No CGI, my butt. Uh-oh. <laughs> that name that should never be uttered was just uttered. Did you feel the same? No, I I thought she her character had a purpose. When when we see her, this is where Ray, you know, has that awakening. This is kind of this is the scene that the title, the movie's title, gets its name from. The Force awakens because it awakens within Ray. And um, Moss is a character that's you know over a thousand years old, so she's she's seen it all, and she even admitted she's seen it all. She's seen. She said she's seen the Sith. Empire now the first order. She seems all kinds of she has seen all kinds of evil. And then somehow she had that lightsaber. And you know, Ray has that force I don't want to call it a force trance, but that uh she kind of looking into, I guess, the, the future. Um Can we can and, we use a loss reference and say she had a force flash forward? Okay. <laughs> a flash force word. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. And and talk about and that was a cool scene too because it took me three times to finally figure out what was uh, what was going on in this scene. And yes, that is Alec Guinness's voice you hear saying Ray, and yes, you also hear uh, Ewan McGregor's voice, and um, you also hear uh, Yoda as well. And you see, you know, the Knights of Ren. Um, I was disappointed, though, that the Knights of Stimpy didn't make an appearance. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I like making fun of these characters' names because I, I thought of Knights of Ren. Now, they say that the Knights of Ren has nothing to do with, with, with the Sith or anything, and I'm kind of saying bullcrap on that. Yeah, how can you introduce one without the other? I mean, because I thought I thought Adam Driver played that part really well. Because, you know, what, something didn't go his way. He threw a fit. He would have like a temper tantrum. That is typical Sith behavior right there. That's what a Sith does. <laughs> so Sith are pretty much millennials. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's get back to James. And I would tell you why Mus is the new Jar Jar, but that is a story for another time. It's strange. They kind of tried to end it like Star Wars, A New Hope, and Empire. Yes, there's a Wilhelm screen. And yes, they changed hands where home line in the movie. It's different in the trailer. Kind of like when he said part-time in Indy 4. Well, that's all I got from just two <laughs> simple viewings of that film. I will probably watch it a heap of times, um, but I'm sure we'll be back in the new year with lots and lots of new emails. Bye, guys. Oh, James, we love 
the power of the dark side. Love it. Boy, he will tear anything on Earth apart, won't he? And it's funny because he and I have been having some pretty good discussions right around uh, about a week ago when the movie came out. And so James was there opening night. And opening night in Australia was Wednesday, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I had to ignore him for two days. (laughs) And so so the only comment that I had for him was, so did you like it? And he wouldn't even comment on that. (laughs) He goes, come on, it's me. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Okay. (laughs) He's Mikey from Life Serial. Oh, that's great. Well, how do you balance the force when you have the dark side show up? You get a Jedi Knight to show up. And that is going to be our good buddy Jim from the Dune Saga podcast. Greetings, gentlemen. Let me start by saying that I have nothing bad to say about The Force Awakens. As far as I am concerned, if there could ever be a perfect movie, this one would have to come very close. Right from the opening, when the first chords of John Williams' immortal score started, I had a tear in my eye and was hooked. The only thing that I did miss was the 20th Century Fox fanfare, and I did appreciate not seeing the Disney castle in its place. Another thing I appreciate is that Force Awakens has something for all of the fans, both old and new. Han, Leah, and Chewbacca were perfectly written, directed, and acted, and the new characters have become instant heroes, making me very much look forward to the next films. While I love all of the movies in the Star Wars universe, yes, even the prequels, this one just felt like the very first one that used actual sets and locations. The scenery in many of the shots was breathtaking, and I love that the filmmakers brought back all of the feelings I had when I first saw Star Wars in 1977. Star Wars The Force Awakened has raised the bar for filmmaking in general, and for science fiction in particular. Once again, Star Wars is not just a movie. It is a phenomenon. Well, there it is. Pure positivity from our great friend Jim from the Dune Saga podcast. Alex, I mean, at the end of the day, you just, you pretty much have to agree with Jim because he's spot on on what they were trying to achieve with the movie, and then how it made, I would say, just about everyone have those same feelings. You know, they wanted to pull those feelings up from you from the first movie. They wanted you to have that same identifiable character set out there, and they wanted to introduce these new characters in that same fashion uh, to just cement them as part of Star Wars lore from now until the end of time. So, Jim, I I totally get where you're coming from on your thoughts on the movie. Brilliant as always, because when you peel away the layers and you you peel away the nitpicking and, and stuff like that, at its core, this movie strikes that chord and brings back that feeling that you had when you seen the first movie. And that's what they wanted. And Jim hit the nail on the head with that. I had a yeah I, I I was I was teared up too at, at that opening chord. It's like it's back, and <laughs> especially having my daughter with me, watching my daughter geek up because my daughter is as passionate about Star Wars as I am, and that's saying quite a bit. And uh, she's so passionate, she doesn't even make any reference to the prequel stuff because she 
doesn't like the prequels whatsoever, which caused me to get in an argument with somebody at my local comic book store last week. <laughs> and But that's another story for another time. <laughs> Our buddy Rick chimes in, and he sets me straight on a couple things that I was thinking a little differently on before I heard this, and now he has changed my mind, and he'll probably change some of your minds as well. Take it away, Rick. Hey, Hank and Alex. This is Rick from Wisconsin calling for your Star Wars podcast. I liked it very much. I think it's better than the last three movies that were produced in in a way because it's continuing the story that we started with in the first place. The original Star Wars was my favorite movie ever, and I really enjoyed both the sequels. When we first sat down and it started, it was pretty exciting to have something new Star Wars to see again. And I thought at the beginning, cinematically, it had a great feel like the early movies had. But somewhere that went away, I'm not sure at what point. I'll be watching it again, so I'll try to figure it out then. But at some point, it kind of became more of an action movie. And then they tried to bring it back around. I thought all of the effects and acting, I didn't have any problems with any of those things. problem that a lot of people that I've talked to, the the ones who didn't totally like it, didn't like the fact that Han Solo died. And Han Solo dying is kind of sad, but everybody dies sometime. And I kind of think having his death on screen is better than just being told that he had died. And I want to stop it right there, because that was one thing right there that I was bummed out about and a lot of people were. And what a way to bring it back around Rick by saying, you know, what if they would have just told us he was dead? That would have been a real big letdown and a bummer. This scene was pivotal because it uh, shows that, you know, Kylo Ren is means business. And if this is what he has to do to be this big, bad villain, like his granddaddy was, then this is how he's going to do it. And so I, I thought, it, it had to be done. And fourth wall, everyone, Harrison Ford does not want to play that character. You know, he, he he's kind of going kicking and screaming playing that character. And what better way to let him out of it and to, even though there's some conjecture that he'll be in flashbacks or something in the future, who knows? It has been revealed to me that all of the original cast and yes, I said all of the original cast of Force or all the cast of Force Awakens is returning for that's, the next movie. That's what they're saying, but that doesn't mean, you know, that could just mean flashbacks. That could mean. Anything, yeah, anything. I kind of got that, too. I'd, but, but there's, uh, you know, there's still a little part of me that, you know, wishes Han Solo survived that somehow. But of course, you know, it's. Yeah. I guess we're, we're going to be a realist and say he didn't. Yeah, let's just go but, ahead and bring back the Emperor and Darth Maul if, if we're, yeah. uh, while we're at it. Well, Darth Maul came back. I know. Oh, gosh. Don't remind me of that stupid storyline. <laughs> All right. Darth, well, Darth Maul was the, the, the Captain Phasma of the... Of Phantom Menace, because this is a character that, you know, we all wanted to see. And again, very limited time on, on screen. Screen time? Five minutes, 19 yep. seconds. But there was an epic lightsaber battle. Yeah, the the dual lightsaber. All right, uh, Rick, way to point that out, and back to you. So I appreciated that aspect of it. 
he did a really good job. Uh, Harrison Ford reprising that role, and it was fun. It was like the same character we saw last time, uh, like they hadn't lost a beat. Uh, Carrie Fisher, I, I couldn't say the same thing for. I want to stop him there. Um, I Man, I didn't want to be that guy. When I was watching the movie, I was like, don't be that guy, Hank. But I did not... I did not dig her acting. I'm sorry. I didn't. Was I alone? You know what? Uh, out of all the actors, I think she probably aged the most. But if you know Carrie Fisher's background, you kind of kind of can understand it. The all the drug addiction and alcohol addiction, you know, she she went through uh, post Star Wars after Star Wars was over and uh just within the last year, she's made an epic comeback to trying to get back in Princess Leia shape and or Leia shape. And I think uh, I I think she did the best that she could. And I don't think it was terrible in in uh, in any sense. I think she did a, a decent job. OK, so, uh, you know, we'll leave it there. All right. Back to Rick. The way the story unfolded at first, the early part. When they're chasing down the droid for this information, I thought, it seems like we've done this before. And then when we find the space station they built, which is not actually a space station this time, uh, but it's another, you know, super star-destroying machine, uh, we've seen that twice before. <laughs> so in a way, I reacted saying, you know, oh, we've, we've done this before. But in another way, you would say, well, realistically, there's nothing wrong with that happening again because history does repeat itself. And if you look back in, in our normal human history, you find lots of examples of wars that are fought and then they get fought again for some of the same reasons later down the road by the descendants of the people who fought them the first time. So I, I don't think it's far-fetched. I think they would improve on the technology and try to go big again. Uh, they're trying to regain control of the galaxy, I guess you could say. I would have liked to see a little bit more of what replaced the Empire as far as a governmental structure goes, uh, because we got very little of that in this movie. But I'm hoping by the way this film ended, we're going to get a lot of that in the next installment of the series. So those are my other thoughts. I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Plan to see it at least once more, maybe twice more in the theater. And I, I really can't criticize much about the movie. Thanks. Rick, what a what a great observation to just make that statement about history repeating itself. And I thought to myself, you know what? There there it goes. He he just shot down that whole gripe that many of us had about the, you know, what are the odds of having another big base station <laughs> uh destroying planets and stuff. But uh, the way he phrased that there, I totally changed my opinion on that. So Rick Excellent stuff. And uh, well, another thing that Rick said, like, well, what was the government like, you know, after the Empire? And again, that's something, you know, if you read that Star Wars Force Awakens uh, visual dictionary, it's kind of re revealed in there that, you know, the, uh, it's all mainly all New Republic. The, the whole galaxy is ruled, I guess we could say, by the New Republic. And there's a Galactic Senate just like. Uh, the prequels and again they're squabbling and do nothings in the galactic or in the in the new republic which like uh i guess this is the only like really parallel with the prequels i had was the galactic senate because galactic senate did nothing and that kind of led to their uh 
uh, d- demise where, you know, the resistance is kind of like the black ops of the yes. New Republic. They don't want even the New Republic to know what they're doing. Yes, and they shoot straighter than Battlefront characters, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, we are going to... Well, it used to be Agent Price, used to be Officer Price, double, triple, quadruple, sextuple, Agent Price. Uh, now he has a new name. Take it away. Hey, guys, this is Imperial Officer Price. All right. Hands down, one of the best movies I think I've seen. But you know what? I'll be picky for just for picky's sake. Um, I mean, it was such a great movie that, you know, there's only like, there's only like one or two things in there that really bothered me, but I have a feeling that it's going to be picked up in either a comic book or a book because I've, you know, I went back and I did some research and I mean, I, I don't even know how I didn't realize this, but I knew that there was a comic book series that came out before the movie, but there's like a adult graphic novel. There's a, like a teenage graphic novel. There's like seven short stories, I do believe. And all of it is happening before uh, The Force Awakens. And I have a feeling that somewhere in there is going to help explain some of my grievances. So so here's the grievance. But the grievance is that Han and Chewie just show up out of nowhere. They seem to be pretty close to the planet that's, you know, that we're dealing with, and they're just there. Kind of doesn't make any sense. And, I have, and not to mention that there's this entire conversation about, you know, the Millennium Falcon went to this person, went to this person, went to this person, ended up on this planet, and then we tracked it. We just so happened to stumble across it while, you know, we we all obviously was openly tracking it. So that's really my only my, my issue with that, because it was more along the lines we just kind of stumbled into them instead of – just having it in the normal storyline. I don't know. If I had to be really picky about the movie, that's what I had to be picky about. All right, Alex, did you share any of that pickiness? No, because Rick, I guess, does not truly understand the way the force works. You mean uh, Imperial Officer Price? Uh, there are no more Imperials. <laughs> he must be a First Order Officer Price. So. Oh my goodness. Okay. All right. I think you're fighting picky with picky. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's great. Okay. I never really thought about it. I thought it was a little bit odd, but I was like, you know what? They had to introduce them at some point. And I was kind of glad they didn't spend a ton of time trying to figure out how to introduce certain characters because that might have taken away from the movie. So I think they just splashed him in there and that was fine with me. But I I can understand if he wants to really needle down a little bit. All right. Back to you. So besides that, I really don't have any complaints about this movie. I was excited the entire time. I saw it in IMAX 3D, uh, the very first showing on Thursday night, and um, I was was gripped. Now, the 3D could have been a little bit better, but I mean... Yeah, I kind of hold my uh, judgment against Avatar in their 3D because their 3D in Avatar was basically like completely surrounding and you're immersed in it. This was semi-immersed, like the the all the X-wing and Tie fighter battles; those are badass. But I mean, a lot of the rest of it, you know, they're kind of just it was, it was just kind of like filler. But you know what? Um, Avatar's 3D was spectacular. I still use that as a measuring stick for 3D execution finisher up agent price you know I, like again i I'm, I'm trying to be picky about something that really has no problems besides that I, that's all i got for you guys uh, all right imperial officer price signing off <laughs> he must be the only one left that's all i can say <laughs>
it's a new order of them. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And and um, folks, we're going to get a little speculative right now. Uh, so if you don't want to hear anything about our uh, conjecture about Snoke or Ray's lineage, potentially, we're just speculating. But if you deem that a spoiler, then you're going to want to shut off right now because we're going to play uh, Imperial Officer Price uh, from the remnants of the Imperial <laughs> Officers and uh, his spoiler zone feedback. And then we're going to openly talk about it. Warning, incoming spoilers. You've been warned. Grand Admiral Imperial Officer Price with your spoilers. See, I got promoted a whole bunch since you just heard me a little while ago. Yeah, if you're the, if you're the only one of them, then you can give yourself <laughs> any title you want. I guess you might as well call him the Emperor. <laughs> hey, meet me out by this uh, shaft here. All right. Okay, so two spoilers. I have no idea if anyone's actually saw this or if they're true, but um, let's just put them out there. So with um, the Xfinity, the, uh, the new uh, Star Wars game that uh, Disney's putting out, apparently there was a little bleep in there where um, it, it's kind of it's, – okay, I've heard two things. Uh, I've heard that there was a bio in Ray and that it basically pointed to Luke being her father. And that was quickly taken off because basically it was like it was up for a day and they're like, oh, crap. And then they got rid of it. Also, there was a scene when Ray is fighting, um, uh, well, fighting, I guess, quote unquote, her cousin. He uh, uh, lashes out and basically says, curse you, cousin, or maybe it says something else. But, I mean, it's kind of stretched both ways. It, you could definitely hear cousin in there, but maybe it's not. But uh, I don't know what, what else. I think it says curses. I don't know why you would say curses. All right, Alex, do you and your daughter play Disney Xfinity, correct? I finished uh, Force Awakens playset already. Do, did you hear <laughs> anything like that? I didn't, and I had to go to my Disney Infinity website to get that information. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know if it was, I don't know if that part could have been taken down. But to me, it's obvious who Ray's, or Ray's lineage lies, because a couple times we have Luke Skywalker's theme when it's just Ray on the screen. Yes. So John Williams is, you know, he's kind of telling, okay, yeah, Ray is definitely Luke Skywalker's daughter. And I, I truly believe that. There were so many points where it seemed so obvious that I was wondering, are they trying to trick us? You know, there were so many points that just paralleled Luke's journey so much that I was like, are they just trying to trick us? But it, it just seems logical that she will be his daughter because what doesn't make sense is when people say, oh, it, it could be Han and, and Leia's daughter. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense to me at all. And, you know, her and Han, when they were together, just gelled incredibly well. And a couple a couple times, um, Han almost seems like he recognized her. Yes, he did. And I know, in fact, when Ray came back and embraced Leia, you know what? That's that's what family does. I, so Leia knows exactly who Ray is. Yeah. And if that was a daughter, it would have been different. Yeah. I thought it was more like a niece to right. me. Right. Yeah. I, I agree. But uh -huh. why they don't reveal that information to to her, well, they probably feel that, you know, it's Luke's job to do that because he did what he did for a reason. And Yes, he left her on that 
planet for a reason and um leia's force sensitive still oh yeah we we saw that so, when uh, han dies so she would you know if that you know I, it's just no way a mother doesn't react to her own daughter right. so I, i'm with you all right agent price or, or excuse me grand imperial <laughs> officer price the other one, and this is one I just kind of picked up yesterday, and and you know what, I'll I'll, I'll track down the link and I'll send it to you. And this uh, their new bad guy, Snoke. All right, so rumor has it that he might be Palpatine's mentor, and the reason why they uh, this has come up like this is that if you uh, listen to the music that played during Snoke uh, Snoke's uh, entrance. Um, some clever person actually matched this music up with um, where Palpatine is talking about his mentor in uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, you can actually listen to both sets of music, and they're identical. There's no difference, really, between the two of them. And uh, the person who did all the music is the same person. Um, John Williams. You're going to have to fill in his name because off the top of my head, I can't think of it. But, you know, it is very likely that, I mean, it could be. They've been known to do like tricky things and, you know, plot twists, but, you know, pulling from information from previous movies and what a way to try and slip something in through an orchestrated piece that was actually already presented somewhere else down the line. So um, that is uh, what I have for you guys. I'll provide that link if anyone wants to see it. I'm really trying to stay out of uh, spoilers, but... Right now, it's looking at speculations when it comes to you know things with this movie. It really doesn't matter because it, it, it's going to be a hit or miss no matter what. I didn't wa- I didn't watch any spoilers going into the movie that helped save me, and now I can just look at spoilers galore because I really don't care as long as it's not running into the next movie. So, all right, guys, that's it for me. Bye. Thank you so much, Agent Price, because um, you you bring some topics up to the forefront that everybody's talking about. So Alex, you were talking about Snoke before we even Okay, uh, so uh, there's a good I I know exactly what uh Grand Admiral Price is uh, referring to and uh um I cuz I saw the exact same footage. And so what they're uh, they're what this footage is saying is that um Snoke is actually Darth Plagueis. Now, Darth Pelagius was the Sith Lord, and his apprentice was, you know, uh, was was Palpatine, his Ooh. his apprentice. And then um, it's revealed that um, uh, Palpatine is telling Anakin the story of uh, Darth Pelagius the the Wise, and so. Um, Kind of, you know, again, he's seducing Anakin to the dark side and kind of saying, yeah, he's tried to live forever. But, you know, Sith have been known to lie. So is it quite possible that Palpatine <laughs> did, you know, <laughs> kill him or maybe he maybe he thought he killed him. But we, we know Snoke has some some scars. It seems like he really believed he killed him because, boy, that would be a a bad uh, enemy to leave alive if you catch my drift, you know? Yep. So I, with comparing the two themes and this is, this is also saying the person who created this didn't doctor them in any way, but he had a pretty good argument that Darth Pelagius and Snoke are one in the same. 
I think it makes sense. I mean, you know, you can't take a step backwards when you're talking about the big bad. Right. You need to take a step forward. And it, it again, folks, if you want to learn more about Darth Plagueis, uh, that information is kind of revealed in episode three. So I would probably read the adaptation, the novel adaptation of episode three. And there's also there's also a Darth Plagueis novel, which claims, you know, it's not canon, but you kind of get the background information. And Darth Plagueis uh, belongs to uh, the the race that is, you know, home to the that banking corporation. Oh, okay. Of, of the separatists. So they know. have these like elongated heads. And so Snoke really doesn't have that. So that's, if there's any doubt, that, that could be it right there. But we know that Snoke has one huge, ugly, nasty looking scar right down the middle of his face. <laughs> so, I, I still uh, remember that story like it was yesterday, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just love well, love the evil of his voice telling that story. And what what's really interesting too that that I learned that uh Snoke is actually based uh his uh physical characteristics is actually uh based on Ralph McQuarrie's uh, original drawings of uh Palpatine for Excuse Empire Strikes Back because if we remember we see Palpatine for the first time yes on Empire Strikes Back and of course that was all you know retrograded when Lucas did his uh special editions which I I do admit that the Empire Strikes Back special edition is far superior however they need a I what what us Star Wars fans are clamoring for are the return of the original films at least on a, a some like a Blu-ray format. Ooh, nice. If we could see that, we'd we'd be happy. But I know there's some legalization going on for a new hope between you know Disney and Fox. Fox truly owns the distributing rights, I think, to that or oh, something or other. But anyway, I digress once more. But long story short, yeah, there's pretty good evidence that Snoke is indeed Darth Plagueis. Oh man, I'm so excited, man! Just a year and uh, what three months that we gotta wait or four months. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised to learn that we're gonna. There, uh, it's gonna be in April. Oh, an April one. Okay, it's either April or or, or May, May. Uh, premiere of episode eight. So, but yeah, no, we're gonna be seeing a lot of Star Wars then, because uh, a year from now we got uh, Rogue. Uh, Is it the Rogue one? Yeah, the yeah Rogue one, where we have uh, you know that. That story that Darth Vader alluded to in A New Hope, there will be no one to stop us this time, and we're going to be seeing uh, the how the Rebels acquired the Death Star plans. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the original Stormtroopers and maybe Darth Vader himself. Oh, man. Come on. Let's do this. I love it. Alex, anything else you want to touch on? I think I touched base on everything. Great. Because I don't want to leave any stone unturned. The novelization for for the film will be coming out in precisely two weeks from now. Um, so we're going to get some more background information from that. And again, it's written by the great Alan Dean Foster, who uh, was the ghost writer of the original Star Wars novelization in 1977. Um, a little tidbit. Um, it was revealed today that... Uh, 
Force Awakens is now the 10th highest grossing movie of all time. Oh, my gosh. Wow. All right, and it's done that in what, two weeks? Two weeks. And it's reached, uh, already reached over, you know, a billion dollars globally. And someone told me, Alex, they haven't even reached China yet. Oh, my goodness. So if the Chinese have the exact same love for Star Wars as the rest of us, look out. And they're strong with the force over there. So they will like it. Oh, my goodness. How exciting. This has been phenomenal. A lot of so, fun. And, uh, oh, one other thing. Uh, next next month, they begin filming episode eight, and oh, we're going to have a new director. Um, they're, I'm not sure about the writers. I think J.J. Abrams is going to be on as a creative consultant for the next one, but he did indicate he would have loved to have directed, but I I kind of see why they wanted probably a different director for each of the films. Yeah. I'm a little worried about the next writer because J.J. Abrams has indicated that the next writer is going to do something drastically different. And, you know, change and in the Star Wars verse doesn't really equate well with us older fanboys <laughs> and fangirls. And so that had me a little worried, but I don't know if I want to go something drastically different, but as, as long as it's good. I'll, I'll be okay with it. And I think at this point, they're going to make sure that nothing gets fouled up. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's measures in place to ensure that that doesn't happen. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to be having like in the next uh, 24 months, we're going to be having a lot of Star Wars because uh, uh, a year from now will be Rogue One. And then a few months later will be Episode 8. Cannot wait. How exciting. Oh, and this is what, um, you know, many of us talked about years and years ago when George Lucas says, nope, I'm done. I was like, no way. There's too much money on the table. I know they'll oh, be yeah. back. And they're back. I think a lot of us were worried, too, or maybe not so worried, because uh, Disney, uh, when they saw what George Lucas's original treatment or was for the, the trilogy, they kind of said, uh, thank you, Mr. Lucas. We don't need your help after all. And they kind of <laughs> just threw it away and went their own way with it. So I was, I, I'm kind of curious to see what that original treatment was. I really want to so, know, too. I would love to know that, too. Well, George Lucas said he was happy with uh, The Force Awakens, with what they did with it. And Steven Spielberg was beyond the moon when it came to The Force Awakens. He says one of the greatest movies I've ever seen. And so that, yeah, that made me pretty good about uh, before I went to go see it. So <laughs> That's great. Hey, hey, gang, remember that in January, Alex and I are going to talk, Jessica Jones, we're going to talk about all the episodes, uh, you know, just wrap it up in a bow in about an hour and uh, so that'll be in january so go ahead and put your feedback in now so head to tpenetwork.com slash feedback and get your feedback in now so you don't have to hustle around at the last minute and to, to let everybody know too i have finished the final episode a couple days ago so standing belly clap for Alex for finishing. <laughs> and now you got to go back and finish Daredevil, right? <laughs> I still got two episodes on Daredevil. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, that's a, that's awesome. All right. So, uh, yeah, just don't wait to the last minute. Just get your feedback in for Jessica Jones. We'll be dropping that, you know, mid to late January. We'll be talking about that. 
So it'll be a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, by that time, I'll forget everything that's going on. Probably. I'm going to have to do some (laughs) rewatching, which I've already talked myself into. Um, So we'll have some fun with that. Or maybe we'll record it sooner than that. And we'll just wait and release it later in January. Whatever. Um, But get your feedback in for that. And then in February, we're going to wrap up Agent Carter. We'll wrap that up in... What is it? When is that over? End of February or early March? That'll be over? Yeah. Okay. So as soon as that's over, we'll wrap that up in a nice bow as well. But then we'll uh, be back on regularly with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. And then we got Civil War coming out. And there's oh, we got a lot. a lot. This is great time to I think, be. A I fan. think we have next summer off, though. Yes, we do. Which I don't think we've had a summer off in about four or five years. About five years, yeah. Oh, great. But I'm sure Marvel has a movie coming out during the summer that will be... Uh, yeah, we'll recap. Yeah. We'll have fun with it. But thank you guys so much for tuning into this podcast and all of you that contributed and participated and then all of you listening right now. Yes, you. We thank you so much and we appreciate your time. Until the next time, I'm Hank for Alex. We're signing off. See ya. Tiger Prince Entertainment. There ain't nothing else like it.